City. This is Ben. I am going to wrap us up for our Circles Coaching Podcasts. Uh, we've kind of walked through step-by-step the 3 by 5 Circles Launch Guide. And Ryan and I have had dialogues about the different sections, about the various ways in which circles function to make disciples. And so I just want to kind of make some concluding notes on circles, as well as share some reflections, some of the things that we've learned as we've really talked to you all, uh, those of you who are leading circles, who are in circles, um, and and try to gain some feedback on what it was like to be in a circle. And so the first thing I would say is, I want to go back to the beginning and say, what is a circle? What's its purpose? Um, In a circle, we've defined that as three to six men or women following Jesus together, in mutual responsibility to love God, love neighbor, and make disciples. And so a simple way to say that is circles are simply our vehicle for making disciples. There's lots of different ways to do it. There's lots of different um, vehicles and and models and and things like that. We've just happened to call ours circles, and this is the way that we've kind of constructed it. And so what we're after is giving you a model, a format, a way to be in the presence of other people centered around Jesus and doing that in such a way that enables you to hear and obey Jesus out of love and how to do that with other people. And so one of the things that we've uh, been reflecting on is the way in which disciples are grown or made or mature and how that, that actually happens in a in a more organic way than in an industrial way. So what I mean by that is um, it'd actually be kind of nice in some senses if uh, disciples were made in an industrial way. So what I mean by that is if you have like an assembly line, right? And so uh, a person just kind of moves along this assembly line and maybe the first thing they get is uh, a deep confidence in the gospel and then the next stop on the assembly line is uh, the fruit of the spirit and then the next stop is boldness to share Jesus with people and the next stop is, you know, on and on and on. Uh, But human beings are uh, are organic creatures. Uh, Disciples are organic creatures. And so we actually grow much more like uh, a plant. So you put a seed in the ground and then you make sure that the conditions are proper. The conditions are right in order for that seed and that plant to grow up, to flourish, to develop into maturity. And if that happens, if those conditions are there, eventually that plant will grow to the point of being able to reproduce itself. Uh, And so why that matters is uh, it's often been said, and this is kind of a cheeky way to say it, that the fruit of a mango tree is not a mango. The fruit of a mango tree is another mango tree. In other words, the whole purpose of producing a mango uh, is to multiply mango trees. And I use that one example, that example, because I actually have a mango tree in my backyard and I think raccoons eat the mangoes and then they uh, distribute the seeds random places in my backyard. And I find little mango trees growing up that I never planted, but that were planted there because a mango got dropped off there. And so I say that to say the fruit of discipleship is not uh, somebody who is just a dedicated, wholehearted follower of Jesus, although that's a glorious thing. The fruit of discipleship, the fruit of disciple making is somebody who can actually multiply their life into other people who can say, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus in all of life and can invite people into their life to uh, watch their life, how they live, um, 
can hear how they speak, can watch what they do, and in that, they're taught to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. And so this is, this is essential, and it's the place we're ending because really the end game, the goal from the beginning has always been multiplication. Uh, Jesus uh, tells us to go and do with other people throughout the whole world, throughout all the nations, do with other people what he did with his 12, uh, and that that's, um, that's the plan he has. And so I want to go back to my organic metaphor, because what we've tried to do as circles is we've tried to create a greenhouse of sorts. We've tried to create the conditions necessary for spiritual maturity and spiritual maturity that will eventually bear fruit in spiritual multiplication. And so what are some of those conditions? Well, certainly prayer. You're going to draw the air from heaven uh, in prayer. And so that's essential. There's got to be this kind of oxygenation that comes from from praying and breathing deeply in, uh, in the heavenly air. Uh, the second thing is scripture. We want to make sure that people are um, not just uh, reading the Bible or merely studying the Bible, although both of those things are really good, but but communing with God through his word, um, really knowing him, actually hearing him speak and responding in our own speech. Uh, the dialogue, this kind of divine dialogue that we're invited into that Jesus in John 17, 3 calls eternal life, to know the one true and living God and to know Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That happens through scripture. But Jesus warns us in John 5, he says, uh, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life but it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me. So that's significant. Um, Jesus is saying that the scriptures are only really effective insofar as they are a means by which we come to Jesus. And so when we're reading the Bible, we're not just searching the scriptures for as an end in and of itself. Uh, we're actually reading scripture in order to commune with, to meet with, to come to Jesus uh, in fresh ways over and over and over again. And so that's one of my reflections as I've learned from you all through coaching and conversations is um, the scripture bar we set purposefully really high. Uh, and the reason why we did that is because we didn't want um, a kind of laxadaisical approach to scripture. We wanted to really uh, enable people to feast on the Bible. And one of the things I would say from the last nine months in my circle that I've been most grateful for is we have read so much Bible in the last nine months. We have devoured scripture. I mean, whole books. We went through Exodus multiple times. We went through John 13 through 17, the, the upper room discourse multiple times. We did the book of Philippians on reading repeat probably a hundred times in the month of November such that we memorized it. We uh, read historical books and prophets and all kinds of, I mean, we read the gospels over and over. We read Acts. We read so much Bible in the last nine months and it, it, and it really did has a transformative work um, as we're engaging in it. And all of that being said, the 20 to 30 chapters a week uh, was intended to kind of set this bar high so that we engage scripture in a more robust way than we normally do. And I want you to hear me say, one of the things I've been learning is I've dialogued and coached and, and gotten more clarity on what really is the goal of the scripture role? What, what role does scripture play in disciple making? And the role is, it, is that we hear God speak to us primarily through the Bible. And so because of that, I want to 
really enable people to enter into what I've just called this divine dialogue of hearing God through scripture and responding in prayer, uh, this knowing, this coming to Jesus from John 5, this knowing God uh, from John 17. And so can you do that by reading 20 to 30 chapters in a week? Absolutely. Uh, Can you do that by reading 20 to 30 verses in a week? Absolutely. Uh, But there's something really important about having the intention set to commune with God in Scripture. So as we iterate on circles, uh, the way in which we engage Scripture, we're going to get more clarity around that so that it happens in a a more helpful way. Um, The other thing I want to be really clear about is upholding and reinforcing the out section. That one of the things that... um, if we want to be with Jesus, one of the places we're going to find him is on the forefront of mission. He's always going to be at the cusp of the kingdom of God advancing and taking territory back from the dominion of darkness. And so if we really want to be with Jesus, the place we'll find him is on mission. And so this out section of praying for people uh, who don't know Jesus is is even more essential than ever before. I mean, it just, we want to reinforce that to radically reorient all of life around following Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, he's going to lead us to the frontiers of mission. He's going to do that, uh, whether that's down your street or that's around the globe. He's going to lead us on mission. And we know we're really following Jesus. We know we're really filled with his spirit when we're sent outward because God is a missionary God and the spirit is a missionary spirit. Jesus said, just as the father has sent me, even so I send you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this sending nature of following Jesus and receiving his spirit is core to disciple making. So with that, the last thing, um, really that I want to uh, highlight is, uh, so this organic metaphor of these conditions of prayer, of scripture, of opening our souls to one another in transparent trust, of uh, seeking the presence of God in everyday life, uh, of being able to follow Jesus wherever he would lead us. All of these are the kind of conditions, if you will, um, that create the, 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 the right and necessary conditions that, that enable growth to occur in a disciple's life. Um, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the growth. Uh, one of the things that's so true in the, in the organic metaphors in scripture is that, uh, Apollos, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the growth, right? That's that's the way that Paul talks about it. That growth is this thing that happens. Life is this thing that happens. Uh, in It's mysterious, uh, but we contribute to it at the same time. We plant, we water, we sow, we reap, we weed the garden of our hearts. We, you know, repent of sin. We take those things out. We um, endure suffering when when sun comes out and, and, and is about to scorch us in some ways or those kind of various metaphors. And so the, the way that we can do that is by having three to six men, three to six women following Jesus together with us in mutual responsibility, which means, uh, you know, the three musketeers put it really well, all for one and one for all. It means when I fail to uh, commune with Jesus in scripture on a daily basis, I'm actually not just hurting myself, although that's a really big deal. I'm actually I'm actually doing damage to the people that I'm in circle with because there's this interconnectedness uh, with us. And so back to the organic metaphor, one of the ways that redwood trees um, stand straight up, uh, right? They're some of the tallest trees in the world. Um, Even though they have a fairly shallow root system, in fact, I don't think they have a tap root, which is that kind of singular root that goes straight down really deep. Um, They they stand straight up and they endure wind and storms because their their roots entangle with other redwoods nearby. And so in a similar way, the way that we as disciples, the way we don't 
slip and fall is because we are entangled in mutual responsibility, these relationships of mutual responsibility with one another. And so that that's core to following Jesus. This is not a solo sport. Uh, it's a team sport. We're following Jesus together. That's essential to this. And so we will be uh, kind of coming back. Um, I, I assume that most circles have a three-month timeline um, where they kind of re-up or reconsider the the circle every three months. So that's really important because it helps you get really solid commitment for those 90 days. Uh, but it doesn't mean you can't re-up for another 90 days. It just means, hey, we're really committing to these 90 days together. We're going to show up. We're going to displace other things on our calendar. We're going to schedule uh, you know, vacations in, in such a way where we're sensitive to the fact that we've made a 90-day commitment to these people in this circle. This is what mutual responsibility looks like. We're going to, we're not going to, you know, I remember the story I was talking to somebody who was uh, talking about how his in-laws were coming into town, and so he wasn't going to be able to make it to his small group. And I said, hey, do you think if you were leading that small group, uh, you would cancel because your in-laws were coming to town? And he laughed at me. He's like, no, I don't think so. I was like, okay. Uh, and so that's an example of there's something about commitment to a circle that says, hey, I have this obligation. Other things are going to bend around it. School, work, uh, family, friends, those kind of things, because we've committed to these 90 days. You get to the end of those 90 days, uh, and those might run through the summer, it might run through the fall, the winter, whatever that is, and you discern together prayerfully, hey, what does God have for us? Maybe we're going to re-up for another 90 days. Mine, my circle did that. We had nine months together that we, we were just together from September through May. Um, and we're in this discernment process now. What's next? And and what's most likely next is we're going to split and the, the four of us men are going to each take three to four men with us and we're going to multiply and we're going to um, each start four new circles. Uh, and this is how God intends for his kingdom to go forward is through uh, being fruitful and multiplying, filling the earth. And so we want to fill our city. We want to fill our church with disciple makers. And, and that's what we're after. So one thing is, is you could continue on. One thing is, is you could multiply. One thing is, is you could kind of divide in the sense of maybe two of you go and start a new circle and the other two go and start a new circle. That might feel more um, comfortable. You might more have more confidence uh, kind of sharing the, the load of leadership with somebody else. Um, whatever you do, just make sure you take seriously this 90-day commitment. Really take the commitment seriously and then really take the the kind of checkpoint seriously that once you hit those 90 days, those three months, you're kind of reassessing where you find yourself and uh, either multiplying, continuing, or disbanding, whatever that might look like. So I'll close here. Uh, one of the things we've learned as we've reflected on the role of circles within the broader ecosystem of disciple making at New City is that circles and communities are essential. Uh, they both matter. They both must be integrated. But because they're connected in the way that they are, they both can uniquely do uh, their own things. And so circles create the space where we receive care and prayer and in-depth relationship and soul transparency and confession and repentance and uh, encouragement and blessing of one another and challenge to go out on mission and the structure and the support that we need to really share Jesus with the people around us and depth of prayer and Bible study and all those things that we really long for, that we desperately need as disciples of Jesus. That's really what circles do phenomenally well. Communities then create a space where we can actually be in relationship with multiple people. Actually, communities then thrive at 
at mission. They actually thrive at being an outward reality because now we can create a space where we can invite people to belong before they believe. And those people might uh, be Christians, but they don't have any gospel community that they're really connected with. And so we can really connect people to gospel communities uh, through our new city communities. Or we could have a really clear purpose like serving the homeless or um, blessing Crosstown Ministries or uh, being among a certain people group, whether that's your neighbors or uh, medical campus outreach, the med students in, in South Orlando. And, and so there's these various ways in which communities are actually freed up to be what only they can be when you've got, you know, uh, 20 people that are men and women together and can have this kind of ability to, um, I've heard it said this way, it's a little cheesy, but bear with me. They're small enough to care, but they're large enough to dare. You can dare to kind of take on some missional things because uh, it's not just four men trying to take on the problem of homelessness in Orlando. Uh, or four women just taking on sex trafficking in Orlando. It's like, no, now we actually have 20 of us that are uh, drawing on our resources and our networks and our relationships and our time, energy, attention, and motivation. We're pouring that into uh, tearing off this corner of darkness in our world. And so communities and circles, we're going to dial in more and more and more what they alone can uniquely do. And as we do that, uh, I am convinced that we're going to see this kind of ecosystem, uh, back to the organic metaphor, this ecosystem is going to become this incredible greenhouse for making and multiplying disciples. It's going to be so robust and so helpful. And we'll really see our vision realized, which is to fill our city with people who can say, follow me as I follow Jesus in all of life. Well, with that, I'm going to conclude grateful for you engaging in these conversations around circles. Um, this really is our kind of our core thing here at New City. If we really are calling and forming and sending disciple makers and circles are the primary vehicle we do that in, then we want everybody at New City to, to be discipled and to make disciples. That's what we're after. Love you. Looking forward to a new season coming up uh, in the fall as we engage in this mission together. 